What's up, y'all? It's Zach, the Living Corporate, and you're listening to a special B-Side. For those of you who are new here, B-Sides are essentially episodes we have in between our more formal episodes, and they are even somehow more lit than our regular, regularly scheduled content. That's right, more lit. Now, again, this B-Side is special because we have Alicia Davis, CEO and founder of Cubicles <laughs> and Curls. Alicia, please introduce yourself. What up? This is Alicia. I am the creator and founder of Cubicles and Curls, which is a blog or blog, you know, platform for black professionals doing their natural hair thing, doing their career thing. We talk about hair care. We talk about hair styling. We talk about career advice, the whole thing. Come on now. That's right. And it's special. Also, not just because Alicia is here. That's plenty special, of course, but because we're doing like an interview slash collab episode that's right alicia why don't you walk through how we're gonna do this today all right so today's episode is something that i felt was very important to talk about because we don't talk about it enough we're talking about what to do when you are unemployed and that could be you know you got fired laid off underemployed you know just haven't found a job yet through it at some point in their life and we really wanted to get into the, the whole nitty-gritty of how that feels what to do how to look for a next job and just you know letting you know it's okay and it happens that's a great subject i'm excited about this because you know just labor st- statistics show that uh, non-white professionals are more likely to be unemployed and mm-hmm. more likely to be unemployed for longer stints of time so it's really important that we I believe have this conversation have fun with it of course but really just address it and 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 address it courageously because it's part of your career journey and uh there's a quote here do you want me to read it or do you want to read it alicia um sure i'll read it um if you're talking about the anna winter quote (laughs) so anna winter um which is the editor of harper's bazaar Oh, sorry. No, I think she's the editor of Vogue. She used to work for Harper Bazaar, and she said, I worked for Americans Harper Bazaar. They fired me. I recommend that you all get fired because it's a great learning experience. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, uh, right, so we want to talk about our experiences of, of losing jobs, what we did during unemployment, and what we did to find a new job. So, Alicia, do you want to start or you want me to start? Yeah, sure. So, I'll start. Um, okay. You know... I would like to say that I've probably been unemployed a total of three times under different circumstances. Um, you know, once when I was in college, um, you know, another time it was just kind of like a issue of lack of work. Um, you know, the company had to downsize and another time I actually got fired. <laughs> so, you know, those experiences really resonated with me um, because, you know, it's something that I think that we're ashamed of a lot. And one thing when I was going through that at first, I was just so down. But once I got out out of it, I kind of saw it for the gift that it was at a time, at that time. Yeah, no, for sure. So I I was thinking about this as, as you, as we met, of course, and you proposed this topic, I was thinking of, okay, so I I haven't, I don't think I've ever been fired. Right. And Mm -hmm. I haven't, and I haven't really ever been like asked to resign or anything like that either. But mm-hmm. I do remember in college just not having a job and desperately wanting a job. And mm-hmm. and and that journey of like getting into the workforce for the first time for real and trying to like prepare myself for a real career after college. But then I also remember though I did not get fired or and I wasn't asked to resign, um I do remember 
uh, quitting a job because the environment was so mm-hmm. toxic, right? It was super racist and I was getting called out of my name and, and, um, and threatened and things. And it was just like a genuinely like dangerous and toxic environment. And I remember for, uh, about three or four months, I was just like freelance consulting. I remember that. And that was a, a major part of my learning journey as well. So I'm excited about this for sure. Um, and so then what did you do to find a job? Like in those, in those instances, everyone's been fired. Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go I ahead. think not everyone's been fired, but I think everyone faces unemployment either after college or underemployment. Yeah. You know, sometimes things just happen where you're in between jobs or like you said, you quit cause you just can't take it anymore. And so I think at some point everybody goes through one of these phases where you just, you know, in between jobs. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, something I've also realized is how big. So the gig economy, which is like mm-hmm. a, a, a whole nother podcast episode. But I think in that same vein, contract employment. Right. And working through temp agencies and contracting agencies where you're not like a you're not your own boss, but like you're mm-hmm. working through someone you're working through an agency that if they don't staff you on a row, then you don't have any you don't have any paper. Right. Right. And there's that type of work lends itself to being underemployed for months at a time. Exactly. And And even if you are making paper, you don't have benefits. Right. (laughs) Right. You don't have benefits. Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, let me ask you, what did you do in those seasons of unemployment? What were you doing uh, to to find a new job? Right. So the first time, you know, when I got laid off, my company was downsizing, you know, it just was a matter of half scared. I had rent, I had moved out, like boldly moved out of my mother's house <laughs> for a year. And I was like, I have to make ends meet. <laughs> so, you know, I reached out to like my contacts. I was like really just kind of nervous about it, you know, and I found a job kind of quickly um, just because like I needed something to do. Um, so I found a job. It was decent. I was like, okay, we can do this. It wasn't really what I wanted to do it was outside of my field, but it was a job. It had benefits and I was happy for it until, you know, finally it kind of came out that really that job wasn't going to be a good fit. And, you know, they agreed it wasn't a good fit. We had to part ways. After that, I was unemployed for a year, but this time more so voluntarily Um, I wasn't looking for a job at first because I really wanted to use the time, you know, because prior to that, I was unemployed for like two months. And I was like, if I ever find myself in that situation again, I'm going to use the time a little differently. So I used the time to kind of reassess the kind of person I am, what my goals are, um, work on projects that I didn't get time to do when I was working full time. And I was really, you know, I had saved up enough. So I was really just working to, you know, get myself ready to work into to come back to the workforce before I started looking for a new job. So mm-hmm. those are great points. And it's, it's interesting because I think for me, uh, when I when I took a step away from the, the really toxic job, um, that mm-hmm. I, I I was doing a lot of freelance and like contract work and um, and kind of like staff agency stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really had to really take for me what I learned and what I really had to really pause and there was a certain level of intentionality on my side of, okay, well, before I just throw myself headlong into something else, what do I really need to like, cause that was, I need, I probably need to find some healing from that situation. Right. Like, exactly. and everybody, everybody who quits or, or leaves a job or, you know, it's not that it always is going to be traumatic per se, but 
listen, man, leaving a job is hard. Like, even if you leave a job for something else that might be better, mm-hmm. you kind of got to wash some of that old stuff off, right? Like, yep. you, need, you need to, like, you're going to, there needs to be a certain part of you that needs to kind of let it go. It's kind of like getting out of a relationship or. <laughs> exactly. To be honest, right? Like, platonic yeah. or romantic. Because when I was saying, I was like, did I, am I describing my breakup or am I describing when I left the job? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, and then, you know, you also, you know, your living situation and your, you know, your savings mm-hmm. and your, your severance and unemployment insurance, stuff like that. I mean, having those things lined up too, thankfully for me, um, when I was doing the contract work and the, the checks were not as steady because I was freelancing and I was doing a bunch of different other consulting work, mm-hmm. my wife had a job at the time. So, and because of the way that we budgeted we and we lived under our means, you know, nothing, nothing went under by just by the grace of God. But mm-hmm. it's important to think about those things, too. So, you know, as regardless of what they say, when you resign, when you leave a job, regardless, if you leave, if you leave a job for another, for another job or you leave a job just because I, I got to I got to leave. People say don't make an emotional decision. Listen, it's always going to be an emotional decision. Like exactly. You can't you will never be able to, quote unquote, take the emotions out of it. There's going to be some emotion involved involved with you transitioning away at the same time it's important to think through like okay what are my what are my plans once this check these checks stop right mm-hmm. yep and you know to that it's really i one thing i want to tell people is if you're quitting you need to make sure you have the financial means but however if you're getting laid off you might not have had that stacked up you know And one of the first things I did when I was laid off, I was like, well, can I get, you know, talk about severance and all that stuff. And I was like, can I get unemployment? And, you know, there's different, I don't know how it works in every state, but you know, some states you have to have certain reasons. So if you're fired, you might not be able to get unemployment, but if you're laid off, you could, you know? So really that's a conversation and it is emotional, like you said, but that's really a conversation you do want to have with HR, no matter what the circumstances and apply for unemployment right away if you can. If you can apply for unemployment, you know, what I did too, um, you know, when I was left the second job that I got after I, you know, was laid off for a year, um, I actually applied to be an SAT teacher um, because I was like, well, what other skills do I have? And randomly I got an email and it was for Kaplan saying, hey, you want to do SAT teaching? And I was like, oh, I can do that. You know, Um, you might want to like, like you said, you um, tapped into your freelancing and, you know, think of some other things you can do with the internet, you know, there's so many opportunities to, you know, make a little money on the side to hold you over until you can find something else. And I really want to stress, um, you know, utilizing those resources as best as you can. If you're in your hometown, you know, you might want to live with your parents. You might want to like rent out your apartment, you know, temporarily, Airbnb, whatever you need to do to make sure that you're stable. Cause if you feel like you're drowning and you're on the verge of, you know, going into bankruptcy, you're not going to be able to concentrate on getting better and healing. That's a good point. And it sounds as if really you're having to flex a few different creative muscles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I think which leads, which leads to another point, you know, not everyone is super creative and like industrious in that way. And so I think it's important to talk to people mm-hmm. before you decide to, to leave or, yeah. Or if you know that you're about to get fired or let go or there's a, some type of downsizing, have some trusted confidants around you that can that you can talk to as things are happening so they can maybe help you kind of navigate or they can point you in the direction of someone who can help you figure out how to 
what the next season looks like. Exactly. I know for me, I know for me, um, when I, when I did leave, cause it was, and I was, I was depressed. Like we've talked about mental health and mental wellness on living corporate before. I have no shame in saying that when I quit that job, I was genuinely depressed and mm-hmm. ended up gaining a lot of weight. And so and did not take care of my myself. And it took me it took me some years to like lose that weight and a little bit more, but to lose that weight that I gained. And it was crazy because uh, by the time like another opportunity came up, that was like a great opportunity and I got the job, but I wasn't in the best of shape. I wasn't at my best self. And mm-hmm. so I think it's important as well. Like when you're in that season, that off season, quote unquote, that you don't fall off. Right. Like you go to the gym. Like if you have if if you have some type of whatever your belief system or structure is, pour into your local community, like continue to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. That way, when you show up at the next job, you glowed up. Now, again, they hired you. So there you have some level of gold regards. But for you to be at your best self. Because uh, I tell you, I regret I regret not being healthier when I started my job because I would have been, you know, I would have enjoyed some things better. Um, when I took business trips, I would have I would have been I would have been more comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. I would have been I would have been able to explore the cities more, things of that nature. But I wasn't able to because I wasn't I was not at uh, a healthy. I wasn't physically healthy. Yeah. And, you know, I want to peel that back a little bit. You know, like when I was laid off as well, I was depressed and, you know, I gained weight. I remember when I did have an interview, I couldn't even fit into any of my suits and I don't even have money to buy a new suit because I'm, you know, unemployed. But I really want to peel back, you know, a lot of people when they find themselves in a situation, they do fall into these depressive episodes. And it's really important to I mean, it's important to let yourself feel the emotions but you have to tap into your support system. And I think a lot of times why we fall into those depressive episodes is because one, either because of the trauma of what happened and two, because we assign a lot of self-worth to having a job. You know, I was embarrassed to go to, you know, events or leave the house because I didn't want anyone to ask me, what are you doing when are you finding a job? Because I felt so ashamed to just not be having a job for the first time, you know? Um, and I think it's really important. One of the things I did, you know, when I was, you know, unemployed the second time and I was using that me time was detaching my self-worth from what I do to get paid, you know, what my full-time employment is. And I think that's something, you know, a lot of people need their support system and help to get out of. And I think if anything, I just really want to stress that part alone that you are not your job. You're more than your job. Your job is going to change 20 times over and you're still going to be that person you are. That's so true. And I, I, I believe, well, we live in a capitalistic society and cost of living is going up. Wages are not necessarily mm-hmm. matching those, the cost of living as it as it uh, continues to increase. And so more and more uh, folks are switching from work-life balance to work-life blend because really mm-hmm. our lives have become work, right? Mm-hmm. By some degree or another, that's why the gig economy is popping like it is. You know, a lot of people are doing full-time jobs and are also Uber drivers and favor deliverers. Shout out favor. Shout out Uber. Y'all are not sponsors, but if y'all hear this, I'll let your boy. Um, What's favor? We don't have that here. <laughs> so favor is a food delivery service. It's kind of like, uh, hold on. don't. It's kind of like, so y'all know y'all have Uber Eats, right? Like Grubhub? <laughs> yeah, like Grubhub. Like Grubhub. That's what we have. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> y'all also have DoorDash though, right? We do. Okay. We just got that. <laughs> 
listen, I'll, they getting all this free pub. Um, I yes, know. but whatever, it's cool. <laughs> so uh, no, so it's favor is similar to DoorDash. Anyway, uh, it's 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 hard not to disassociate yourself from what you do to that keeps your that keeps food on your table, but. The more you can really align yourself with your with whatever your family, uh, your community, volunteer efforts and things that really keep you going uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that's going to help you. Because if all you are is your job oh, and you Zach, lose, sorry, you cut off real quick. Oh, can you hear me now? Sorry. Yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> okay, cool. Because if all you have is your job and you lose your job, then what do you have? And mm-hmm. so it's important that you're you're always thinking about that. And I think we're in a really interesting season of self-care and, and, and mental and emotional wellness. Like those spaces are have been rapidly growing over the past six or seven years. And I think we're especially for black and brown people. And so I think it's important, like to invest in some things of that nature just while you have a job, like invest in those things while things are good. That way you're not scrambling if something changes. Mm-hmm. It's all about foundations. It is. It is. So to your point, though, about, um, you know, being laid off or fired is not a mark of shame. And there, there really there's only so much of that with, that's about you keeping your job that's in your control. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing about um, there was a what is there's a term when you talk about. Uh, oh, yes. Job security. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the term. So job security is a myth. And like so. But most people think if I have a job and I'm getting paid a salary that I'm going to like nothing can happen that's going to change me from having that job like we (laughs) we are we buy into a certain level of um we buy into a narrative that our jobs are extremely stable and that having a state a quote-unquote steady paycheck is more reliable than being like an entrepreneur or whatever the case is but you know the the reality is unless you're like a vp like someone very senior at an organization you're really only like one or two decisions away from you not having a job yep right like like and I, it's interesting as i've gotten a little bit older like i'm 29 and as, as I've, I've gotten a little bit older and i'm kind of moving up the ladder a little bit i'm a manager so i'm not in any real i'm not making no real moves but i see a few things differently now than i did at like when i was a an associate or a, a, an entry-level employee because i'm starting to see how things kind of move and, and, and push together behind the scenes scenes. like when I was and even before uh, my current industry which is consulting I was an HR business partner and I was working with the like the CHRO I was working with the COO and of a startup and I was just noticing okay there'd be people like three or four five six seven levels under him under me at the time and in their world they're thinking like everything's hunky-dory it's all great blah 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 they don't know like their boss is about to get fired they're about to get moved to a whole nother department and the higher up you go, it doesn't seem like anything to you. Like to, you have to really practice empathy as you get higher up because at the high, it doesn't seem like anything to you. But to them, like their whole world has changed. And so I just thinking more and more about that. Like if you're an entry level employee, if you're a non-executive employee, they like anything. They can make one decision and you end up moving from department A to department G or department G to unemployment. And it's like that. So exactly. It, there's, 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 it's not in your control. What's in your control is your attitude, uh, your level of gratefulness, and how you show up to work every day, and then how, and how, how flexible you're being and prepared you're being to find that next thing. But I think sometimes because we buy into the fact that like these jobs, 
um, are promised and that, mm-hmm. and that things are just so secure that we can't fathom or we kind of I know I did I'll speak for myself that I really was shook when I, I walked away and I was like wait but I thought this was gonna work out I thought this I thought this I thought that you know am I making any sense Yep, absolutely. And I, I think that I, I really like that emphasis of it's not in your control, you know, um, it you could have been the best worker. And sometimes it's just a numbers thing, you know, and I feel like once you accept that, you know, you if you did your best, fine. If you didn't do your best and you got laid off, you know, really just take time to just learn from, OK, what could I change for next time? I think that, you know, work focusing on what you can control really can help you prevent you from going into that whole spiral afterwards. And it takes a while. Like it, sometimes it may take, you know, so for me, uh, like I said, I quit my job, quit that job. (laughs) I was doing some freelance stuff and I was, I was underemployed for about three and a half, four months. And I've talked to people and they'll be like, man, Zach, that is no time. Like that is, that's, that's great. There are people who are unemployed for, you know, six months to a year. Mm -hmm. It happens. Mm hmm. Okay, so let's go ahead. ahead. I said, well, I mean, speaking of that, you know, we should probably pivot into what do you do when you're unemployed and looking for that next job? (laughs) No, that's super true. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So figuring out what you liked and didn't like about your last position and crafting can help you craft an ideal position and picture for your next job, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, You know, I think a lot of times, we either over romanticize our jobs or over demonize them, you know? So we're like, that place was terrible or this was the best place I was ever gonna work, you know? And I think it's really important to really think about what you did and didn't like about that job. And when you're going into interviews or applying to jobs, look for the signs again. It feels like, again, I'm talking about a relationship. <laughs> but, you know, I guess, you know, we spend so much time at work, it might as well be. <laughs> but it is, though. You spend more time at work than you do with your family. You do, exactly. So, I mean, I guess the same tenants apply here. So, you know, you might have really noticed, like, okay, this is what I enjoyed about my position. I enjoyed doing these things, and I did enjoy doing these things. Sometimes I was even able to, like, look at job descriptions and I could tell this isn't a place I was gonna. It wasn't gonna like, right. you know, la- can work without structure. Um, you know, quick on their feet. Doesn't need much direction. And I was like, so you're basically saying you don't know what you're doing, and you want me to come in and figure it out, and you're not gonna help me at all. <laughs> and I was like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, like you learn how to read in between the lines after a while. I remember I sent one of my friends one, and I was like, this job wants me to work 20 hours a day. I could tell. <laughs> They didn't say it, but I know what fast-paced environment and willing to go the extra mile means, you oh, know? Wow. Mm-hmm. They're setting you up to be like, this is going to be hard. Right. That's what they're <laughs> telling that's you. that's not something you want, you know, you got to read in between those lines. Even in the interview, you know, we get so scared asking people questions, like the real questions about these positions. But that's your only chance to figure out if it's going to be the right right for you before you get in there. So, you know, ask them, why did the last person leave, you know? what's the hardest part about this job, you know, or what are the challenges of this job or who do you think is going to be a fit for this and be realistic with yourself of if what they're saying sounds right to you. Those are great. That's just great advice. It's, you know what, Alicia, you should really have like a blog or something. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So no, no, you're right though. And and it's, you know, also recognizing what, what your non-negotiables are. 
right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I know. So I've like I said, I've quit. I quit that one job because it was just super toxic. But I've I've quit some other jobs too. Like so, my first, I was working at a major retailer, and I realized that for me, I had to walk away. I had to walk away from that job because the scope was way too small. Like it was focused on a store. That was it. And so mm-hmm. I knew that when I quit my when I quit that job, I said, okay. I'm, I'm, I got to find a new job that's going to give me more space to be autonomous and be creative and really flex some other muscles that I'm, that I believe I have. And so a non-negotiable for me was working in a, the retail industry at a mm-hmm. store level. Like that was a non-negotiable. That was a non-negotiable for me. A non-negotiable was um, having an extremely limited scope. That mm-hmm. was a non-negotiable for me. But you, you learn that after you reflect and think through what you did and did not like about your last place of employment. There's things I did like from that, from that job. And so I took those things forward as well. But, um, you, cause we keep, we just gonna keep on making relationship references. <laughs> Sometimes we have friends and, uh, if, if you don't have any friends like this, then look in the mirror and then point at the mirror. And then you're that person, uh, is we, uh, they kind of date the same person. Mm-hmm. Right. Over and over again. Over got and over it. again. It's like, yo, like, you know, you kind of got like a type. No, I don't. I don't have a type. I kind of have a type. And like, you keep making the same mistakes with this one than you did with this one. So, yep. and I bet uh, your friend or you, if you look at the, the person looking in the mirror, you probably haven't like paused and reflected. Okay, what is it that I like and don't like about this? And what, like, because there seems to be a pattern here. And a lot of us do that in our careers too. It's like I, I have people who are like, they are serial uh, careerists. They have, they like they like they'll, they'll take the same job and quit for the same reasons over and over and over and over and over. So it's really important that you're thinking through what's working and what isn't working. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So this resume cover letter refresh. Now that's important. Yes. So, you know, I thought my resume was pretty bomb. <laughs> like, I think I, I've i always had a pretty solid resume. But you know what? Um, I was putting out feelers and I was getting like, I was getting phone interviews, but I wasn't getting past the phone interviews. Um, so I was like, what's going on here? You know, like my resume is dope. One job, like I matched it exactly. Like, and it was a pretty niche job. So I was like, how could you not hire me? <laughs> like, I am the one, you know? But what I did was I actually at some point got a career coach because one, I was kind of not like I was like ready to apply, but I was still feeling a little bruised from like, you know, past experiences worried. So, you know, a lot of times when you're writing these cover letters, it requires you to reflect on your experiences at these past jobs. And sometimes that's causing you to live in the hurt and the trauma all over again. You know, just writing the cover letter can be an ordeal because you're just like, wow, that job was really terrible. And it's coming out into your cover letter how wishy-washy you were about that job, you know? So what I did was I actually got a career coach to rewrite my cover letter for me, you know? Like I had what I, I have her and she gave me advice. She rewrote my resume because one thing she said was, you know, you're listing out your things you've done, but you're not really giving me that, you know, I'm, I'm a star kind of thing in your resume. You're mostly like, I did this, I did this, but you're not really telling me I accomplished this or like, you know, I'm the winner or like I'm the best because of this, Y, and Z. It wasn't shining. And my cover letter was much of the same with more just listing things that I've did, but not really like spelling out why I stand out. 
you know? And she was telling me that, you know, I think that comes from a place of you trying to be over humble and you're trying to, you know, like downplay yourself in a little Mm -hmm. bit because you're bruised. Mm -hmm. And so like getting her to refresh my resume really, honestly, the results were instant (laughs) in terms of callbacks, in terms of moving on to the next level, um, in terms of even just changing my interview style. Cause she, I realized, yeah, you know, I was kind of like, I felt like, okay, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am because like I had been laid off before, but I was like, no, I am as good as I think I am. And that was just an isolated incident, you know? And it's really just about your attitude. But sometimes you just need someone else to step in and do that work for you because it's too painful to do it yourself. Man, I just 100% agree. I think the other other thing I'd like to add to the idea of a resume cover letter refresh is a LinkedIn cover letter, um, LinkedIn refresh, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, LinkedIn is like the, I mean, LinkedIn, first of all, as... I'm going to put my futurist hat on real fast. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So as millennials and and Gen Z get more into the workforce and they start engaging LinkedIn, it's going to become, and it has already, if you've noticed, become way more social and like almost kind of like Facebook in certain ways, good and bad. And and, and so the point being that it's going to become an indelible part of your identity, professional and personal, like, I mean, even if you Google someone's name, their LinkedIn pops up. Their LinkedIn pops up more than their Facebook does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, making sure that you have a a professional and accurate depiction of who you are and, and what you want to present on LinkedIn is huge, too, because that can have instant results as well. There's I've seen certain uh, companies. If your LinkedIn isn't popping, it's kind of like, uh, I don't really know. Like that can be the that can be the difference maker to your point between like a phone interview and then a, you know, an actual yep. in person. Because let's face it, everybody looks everybody up nowadays. As soon as I hear your name, looking you up, you looking know you what up. can I find? Right. <laughs> so either if you have a generic name, you might be safe, but if you don't, you better have that LinkedIn popping. <laughs> and you know, just real quick on that, you know, make sure your picture is great or you know not it doesn't have to be professional headshot but it shouldn't be like a selfie shouldn't be inappropriate it should look like how you would probably come for an interview you know it really should though and Mm -hmm. i mean and i'm gonna say this at this point so again a lot of this speaks to financial privilege and access so everyone can't afford like a professional headshot at the same time you know these cell phones really right if you have an iPhone 10, just go against a white wall and take that picture. And take that picture. Get a nice outfit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Get some drip. Okay. Yep. S- side note, because uh, we're in 2019, and, and Ade and I would we would insert slang in 2018, but we did not always give context to the slang. So, um, and, and I have, <laughs> and we have explanatory a, comma. Absolutely. <laughs> and we have aspiring allies and and non-black and brown folks who listen to the show and people will hit me up and be like hey what does the bag mean and I'm like oh the bag is like the money and like the the wealth or the, the opportunity so anyway so drip for everyone who's listening who, do, who doesn't know so drip is your fit right so drip is not to be uh, confused with sauce mm-hmm. which is more influence and swag one can have swag and sauce but not have drip and one can have drip, but not have swag. So with all that being said, you'll be dripped out right in the picture, white background, iPhone X. It'll be great. 
No. As a friend of mine said, drip or drown. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's funny to me. Yes. I think drip. that's my favorite thing I've heard all year. <laughs> drip or drown. You better you gonna have to drip or drown. That might be the subtitle for this for this little B side, drip or drown. That might be the that might be the hashtag, drip or drown. Um so don't and then the last thing, don't let desperation lead you to another job that won't be a good fit Mm -hmm. that's real i think that's important because you know what i get it your bills are coming down you feel like you need to get a job asap you really need to take like like i said just make sure you're making the right decision for you the money could look good but like if it's something that's gonna make you be working 20 hours a day and you're not the type of person that likes to work 20 hours a day, if it's something where you're gonna be working from home a lot or you're gonna be traveling, you need to make sure it's a good fit, else you're gonna end up quitting. Or you're not gonna or they're gonna end up letting you go again. You know, like you really wanna make sure that one, this next move, a lot of times what people do is they'll start applying to any job. Right. It's not even in their field, you know? Right. But it's like, okay, well, I think I could do that. You're get that's when you're getting desperate and people can tell, you know, you really want to stick to what you want to do because, you know, you might be at that job for a long time. You, and you if you want to be exactly if you want to be in consulting, but you're taking a job over in hospitality and you might end up staying there for a year. And now you have a year of something outside of your field on your resume and you're going to have to work to explain, you know, how it lines up. Because what I always think is funny is, you know, people are very narrow-minded when they look at your resume and they're really only looking at your last thing and you have to do so much explaining like i had a whole major in healthcare i all my jobs were in healthcare except for one and people only focus on the one that wasn't and i was like i was only there for three months (laughs) you know and it's so crazy how things like that like so that's what i'm saying being intentional about you know your next move even if it means passing up like a bunch of other you know could be easy wins you really want to make sure your next one's going to move along in your career path and not just pay the bills. No, I super agree with that. You know, I kind of make, <laughs> see, now this is your fault, Alicia, because you brought up relationships. And now I'm thinking about all these relationship jokes, but it's kind of like, you know, when you might, you might have a breakup, but it's, but it's, uh, it's cold outside. Like it's cuddle season. Uh- <laughs> and so you, you know, it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta find somebody. Oh no! Yeah, don't get a warm body job. <laughs> <laughs> don't get anybody. Don't get a rebound job. Is my point. Like you gotta, exactly. you know what I mean. Find somebody that is going to put a ring on it, or that you will put a ring on. I don't know. You know, people. Hey, everybody's proposing. Everybody is no problem. No, no judgment. But the point is, figure out what is gonna really be stable for you because this is a, two things. First of all. People very, very much so underestimate time and un- and underestimate it in terms of how fast it can go by mm-hmm. and the fact that you can't take it back. So to mm-hmm. your point earlier, you said about a year in hospitality, like you can look up and you're going to have a you, you There are people who are like, yeah, I got this job five years ago because I just wanted something because I got laid off and I was just trying to find something. And you look up and it's like, OK, this is your job now. And yeah. You, and you don't like it. Or you've been doing this thing for a year and a half, six months to a year. And then you try to interview somebody, you try to interview for the, what you really want. And people are like, okay, well, why were you doing this? Like, what are you going to say? And not to say that you're stuck. I mean, it happens, but you, but it's going to take a little bit more work and how you craft your story. Exactly. And convince interviewers that, okay, no, I'm really actually interested in this. Now, 
I would think that folks with with a, a modicum of empathy and logic would recognize that life happens and that we don't always find land in the jobs that we want. But oftentimes, like you said, it's like it's weird. Like people put on these weird blinders during interviews and don't always think about context and how just things shift and change and everyone isn't the same. But anyway, um, this has been great. This has been great. Alicia, what else do we have before we go? Uh, oh, no, go ahead. You go ahead. I said before I go, I just want to ask the, the last question was, you know, if you're in an interview and it comes up, why did you leave your last job? And it's not exactly an easy answer. That's something you want to practice ahead of time because that's yeah. always going to come up. You got to practice know? that. Um, you know, one of the things I said when I was laid off was, you know, my company was going in a different direction. We were shifting from the work that I was doing to a different sector. And that's not something I wanted to do. So, you know, we agreed that it wasn't a fit and I left. And another job, the one that I was there for three months, I told them, you know, it was a temp job because basically when it ends up working, it just didn't transfer over into full time, you know? So don't lie, but have some sort of like, you know, palatable truth into your interviews and practice your answer so that you're not coming off nervous or, you know, it feels like there's something shady going on there. I think that's really important, but I do want to stress that most places, at least in New York, you know, your employer, your past employer shouldn't tell your next employer that you were fired because that would mess up your chances of getting a new job. I think there's some legality to that. Nice so illegal. I want you to. Yeah, it is. Right. It's illegal. Um, exactly. So I want you to have that comfort in knowing that, you know, you kind of are getting a fresh slate um, as long as, you know, you kind of know how you're going to work it. Don't feel like it's going to be like a scarlet letter that follows you for the rest of your life. No, that's super true. And. It's interesting because uh, you really got to figure out ways to politicize mm-hmm. or, or, or not politicize, but politic that answer. So yep. for me, you know, I was at a I was at a major retailer for like less than a year. And so even now I'm seven years into my career and people will say, OK, well, you know, why were you here? But I'm like, well, you know, that really gave me the ba-, and my, my answer now is that really helped me baseline some HR knowledge and and best practices however i realized that the scope of that retailing context was not conducive for my professional development and so mm-hmm. i ended up finding x y and z and i just kind of transitioned and i think it's also important now that we're talking about just how, how you interview and, and walk through your career that you have like a story and an overarching narrative that you're speaking to so if you if you talk about it from that perspective then you're kind of inter- you're talking about these jobs as just points in your journey and not necessarily I was this I was this I was that mm-hmm. it's hey I would I'm for me as an example I'll say something like my name is Zachary and I'm very passionate about people and so you'll see in my career as you look at my resume all of the roles that I've had involve people and then from there I just kind of walk through the story of I was here then I was in oil and gas then I was in pharmaceuticals then I was now I'm in consulting and mm-hmm. we and it, it, it makes sense as opposed to, like I said, having like a really segmented story because that's how people like to. That's how that's an, an older way of thinking. But just remember, we're transitioning now into uh, a much more fluid uh, workforce. And it's OK to have, be at different places and have different experiences. But t- Alicia, to your point, I 100 percent agree that you have to have some practice and verbiage behind how you're going to spin that. Yep. Okay, now look, this has been dope. 
And I, I guess this is the first one of this kind. This is actually this has been pretty fun for me. Have you had a good time? I had a great time. <laughs> okay, before we let you go, where can people learn more about cubicles and curls? Okay, so you can learn more about cubicles and curls on our blog, cubiclesandcurls.com, or you can follow us on Instagram at cubicles and curls. Sometimes I'm on Twitter and that's just cubicles curls, but you know, Instagram is definitely the place where I'm you'll usually find me. Hey, awesome. Well, that does it for us, y'all. Thank you for li- joining us on the Living Corporate Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Corporate, Twitter at Living Corp underscore pod, and subscribe to our newsletter through living corporate.com or living corporate.co or living corporate.co, living corporate.tv, living corporate.org. I know, yes, that's right. At least we got them all. So we don't have living corporate.com because Australia owns living corporate.com. Mm. I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, anyway, if you have a question you'd like to, for us to answer and read on the show, make sure you email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. This has been Zach, and you've been listening to Alicia Davis, founder and CEO of Cubicles and Curls. Peace. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.